Okay. This is a Tasty Bets podcast. Follow us at Tasty Bets Pod on Twitter, Reddit, and Threads. Subscribe to Tasty Bets Pod on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to partake. I am your host, Dino DeCespedes, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Rain or Shine, Mr. Grant Engel. What is up, man? Rain in this case. That's okay. We, you know, over the the life of this short podcast, we've had some pretty sick runs. Um, mm-hmm. We were we were cooking like prime Steph Curry in the first round of the NBA playoffs. Uh, our you. first our first foray into the NWSL, smashing success. Uh, we were even pretty locked in. I would say for the first couple matches of uh, the round of sixteen in this World Cup, I think we made some good picks prior to the World Cup even starting. Yep. What just occurred in the quarterfinals of this tournament? A bit of a bloodbath for us. But you know what? We won't run from it. And in fact, we're going to run and break right through it. So let's get out of this fucking ditch. I'm ready. I am so ready. Uh, so we are recording this uh, Sunday night. So we are completely through quarterfinals. We've got a couple semifinals matches to go. Before we hit the stats, quick reminder to please always bet responsibly. Anything can happen. Take it from your boys. <laughs> That's the importance of gambling responsibly. Yeah, absolutely. So as a show, we are down. I'm not going to say how much if you want to know. Um, you'll get a kick out of it. You can check the Tasty Stats Google Doc. Uh, we link to that on our Twitter. Uh, so with that out of the way, let's talk about what we saw uh, in the quarters. And let's bet some football. Where do you want to get started? Let's go chronological order again. And that way, maybe we can have, you know, some things kind of start to look good in our direction as we go, too. I think things things got better as we went along, at least. I mean... <laughs> That's optimistic still. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think they could get even better from here. So we'll leave it at that. So, I mean, yeah. we're still holding tickets for Sweden and England. So we've got two of the four still alive. Mm-hmm. That's not so bad. Uh, but we'll start with Spain and Netherlands. So Spain takes out the Dutch two to one. I had Lineth Bierenstein plus four seventy anytime goal scorer. Brutal. I mean, that's about as close as you can get. A couple times. Um, and I also had Jill Roard, who did not get as close as you can get. She got nowhere near the goal. Plus six six fifty. That was a flyer. We can live with that. Yeah. My big takeaway from the game is Spain Kyrie Irving. Amazing question. <laughs> um, <laughs> why do you ask? So just watching, they look incredibly dangerous. The skills, the handle, all off the charts. Close quarters, they just look on a different level. Even than the Dutch, who you know are no slouches, you know in, in that in that regard. Yeah. But when it comes down to winning time, they kind of make it a lot harder than, than it needs to be. So facing the Dutch, who missed Danielle van de Donk big time, um, yeah. they were just missing that connector, you know, in the middle. So they ended up just essentially playing the ball over and over, straight up the field, over the top. Uh, Lyneth Bernstein to some success. She had some some decent opportunities. Yeah, hard to kind of like blow past the no call like at the sixty second minute where she just gets straight shoved in the back. <laughs> we, we we get both of our announcers hitting us with a ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yeah, they knew it right away and they acted like it was they acted like it was clear too when it happened because it was. Yeah, I mean it was absolutely clear. Doctor Joe Muchnick, I can't, I don't know, if I'm, I'm probably butchering his last name, but he tried to sort of throw out this weird explanation about the goalkeeper was getting to the ball, you know, and that was, that might've been the reason I, I just, I'm like really baffled by if that was that actually the, the rationale behind taking the call away. Cause you know, we saw it in England, Columbia, 
Just because the ball is there in front of the goalkeeper doesn't mean that it's going to be a clean handle of it. I watch a lot of international football. I have never once heard that as an explanation as to why you wouldn't call a foul. So I, that's completely out of left field for me. So I thought that was an insane rationale. Um, and I would say not only did that missed call kind of set the tone for our bets, but it felt like it set the refereeing tone for the rest of the, uh, the quarterfinals <laughs> as well, which we'll get, we, we can get into that later, but I, I love the Kyrie Irving comp so much skill, beautiful game type of stuff. They play with possession. They do all those kind of things that you would expect a Spanish team to do. They just don't have the last one or two touches to kind of finish off some of the possessions and with with Netherlands missing Vandedonk clearly more than I than I expected. Same. Their lack of like super quality at the at the final third, it didn't matter as much because they were just kind of they were stressing out the rest of the Netherlands midfield for so much more of the game. You know, they got a lot of chances. They looked more skilled and more talented just straight sure. away. You know, it, it could have been two nil, three nil, but still nil nil, you know, in the six sixty second minute when we get that egregious no call. So who knows? Penalty maybe puts them up one nil. You know, like I, I jotted down to myself that they're they're kind of like their back three game plan was very much bend but don't break. You know, Von Domselar was awesome. More huge yes. saves. She's just top of the class, I think, in, in terms of this World Cup, where we've had lots of like unbelievable goalkeeping. I think she's yeah. right up there with everybody else. So that, that kind of gives them the freedom to kind of go back three. But if they go up one nil against that Spain team. Maybe we see a shift and maybe kind of the whole complexity of the game changes. But like I said, that wasn't the case. And it was certainly an omen for, for, for the rest of the matchups. And quick shout out to Ali Wagner. You know, I know we love to talk, you know, commentators here. But um, when um, Van de Haar moves up into the more attacking spot, Wagner yep. was like all over it. She was like, oh, okay, this is going to be... She mentioned like two or three times before she gets the breakaway. And then, and then obviously like equalizes then we go to extra time and then the phenom salma parayuelo 19 years old plays for barca she comes in the 71st minute uh and then i think maybe this was in the second extra time i think it was like 110 or somewhere in that range mm -hmm. i mean she just the game just comes so easy to her she's so smooth she resembles um my arsenal gabby martinelli quite a bit uh, yeah. And I think also maybe some shades of like young Mbappe, you know, in terms of like okay. her pace. Yeah. Um, when she came in the match, like she just had like a few touches that were just so smooth where she's just, you know, side footing these passes and just kind of like look away and like you think she's going direct, but she just kind of like plays it up the field and she's the only one that knows what she's doing. And it's it's almost like her play instructs the receiver of the pass on what to do. It's like, oh, okay, I better sprint because... There was space there that I didn't even think that she was going to get the ball to. <laughs> and she's just like, I don't know, like one of the, uh, this, this World Cup has been unbelievable uh, in terms of showcasing young talent. I mean, yeah. I think that's one of the one takeaways. You mentioned to me that the tournament's just been awesome straight away, but everything from the level of play, the parody, the goalkeeping, the future of the game, all really, really, really exciting. For sure. And I think you see it with uh, Pere Uelo the same way you see it with some of these other young, encouraging players is you're totally right. She has like a natural ability with the ball at her feet. And she does that just, and the Kyrie Irving example is great too. Whenever I think of like Kyrie Irving's game, I think of like this kind of like rhythmic, like swaying back and forth to just always keep the defender off balance. And I feel like, mm -hmm. like she has that in spades. And then she does it too, where 
if you if the ball is coming into her, you might think that she is going to take it and, and head that direction. But she will do the thing too where the ball's coming into her, but she'll let it bounce and then roll with it and use its natural momentum. Like and the defender never quite knows which one is which that she's gonna do. Yeah. And she's so fucking savvy at nineteen. And if you're Real Madrid, you're kinda looking like, okay, that's probably one player we should we should watch out for. She's gonna be a fucking problem for a while. That's another takeaway. We need to figure out whichever whatever these streaming services carries Liga F. Yeah. <laughs> sign us up like ASAP because yeah. I mean they they must be loaded. I mean the, the whole Spain team, I think they mentioned all but one player, maybe that was on the pitch, plays in Spain. But Pariuelo on the the play where she scores kind of reminded me, you know when you watch those like uh training camp videos and then Justin Jefferson just like juke somebody out of his cleats <laughs> yes he just yeah. sends one person one way and then he's like flying at the other direction and you're just like oh my god how nasty is that she literally yeah. did that <laughs> with 10 minutes left in a in extra time you know in the quarterfinals of a world cup at 19 years old and then just smokes the finish like just yep. unbelievable and then the the passion and like the fury of the celebration that's like one of my i love to see that yeah you know somebody at that level full-throated roar of like i'm here <laughs> it's just yeah. awesome yeah hell yeah it was it was for sure an announcement and it was an announcement of her i think and then an announcement that uh our bet was fucked <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness yeah but I think ultimately Spain was a better team. I kind of, of all the bets I made, this Netherlands pick, I mean, we probably should have like looked at the draw a little harder because we did have Tino bet and we did have the Netherlands straight up. That's probably the, the one mistake that I feel like, okay, that was, that one was a uh, one that we missed. Reading the rest of the docket, all of them, I'm like, yep, 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 yep. Felt good about pretty much everything else that we did. But yeah, in the other matchup, Sweden, Japan, our other tournament darling, this one was very surprising. And I mentioned it last week where I said, barring this just being a terrible style matchup for Japan. I don't see how they don't advance. And it was a terrible style matchup for Japan. This was just basically the, I think the perfect team to be able to kind of like knock them off their game and also kind of get in their head a little bit. So I think in, in, in my mind, I think either they panicked or they were just kind of showing Sweden way too much respect. They, they, I think they made a decision early to try to limit, you know, the set pieces. Yep. Um, and Japan was able to hold Sweden to just three corners throughout the match. But it turns out they got beat <laughs> in, in other spots and Sweden could do more than just knock in set pieces with people five, nine and over. What did you see in, in that one? I think the way manager Fatoshi Akita, who I've done nothing but talk up this entire tournament, and I think he's very clearly a great manager. I think that he went with the let's do what we did to Spain. Let's let Sweden keep yep. the ball and we're, we're going to counter them. And Sweden came out with the adjustment of okay, they're going to try to, they're going to try to sneak us on every single counter. We let's hold the ball more in midfield. Let's not let, like, I think we talked about it uh, last episode, like Japan's uh, Japan had 23% of the ball against Spain and we're just blitzing them on the counter. Sweden said, okay, we're not going to get blitzed like that. We'll even, we'll even give you the opportunity to come steal the ball from us more in the midfield, but we're just going to lean on you. And if you're going to try to stay away from those free kicks, we're going to we're going to force you into those mistakes. And I think Akita played the he played the lineup of let's be a little more defensive and counter. When I think clearly in the game, and I think you have stuff on this, but later in the game when they started to fall behind, Akita was like, okay, well, I got to play the attacking lineup. And as soon as he brought them on, 
everything looked way better. And you wonder how things might have looked if he started the game that way. I have to imagine that Akita would just give anything to be able to play this one again. I bet. Because when they turned it on, they looked so dangerous. I mean, they earned the penalty. It seemed like there was a little bit of panic. Like even even as we get to like the 60s and the 70s in terms of minutes, they were playing really, really fast, you know, yeah. almost like in desperation mode. Obviously, they're down 2-0, but, you know, they're so dangerous. It didn't feel like they had the confidence in knowing that the chances were going to come, which they came, you know. Mm-hmm. But you just also wonder if, like, there was an opportunity to kind of, like, calm everything down and just be like, hey, you know, like, let's just play our game. But, yeah, to, to your point on the, on the substitutions and the change of strategy, I would have loved to see that happen 10 minutes earlier, 12 minutes earlier, and then we get a full third of the match to kind of see, you know, Japan going kind of like full throttle because once they did, Sweden wasn't totally able to keep up, you know, like they, they really had to um, nurse that, that uh, two goal lead, which, you know, got cut in half and they had to basically hold on to until the final whistle. Yeah. And I mean, I think I've made myself very clear on this podcast. I am the soon to be president of the June Endo fan club. She plays for Angel City FC. She comes on after the half and completely, changes the complexion of the game. The awesome announcer team of Jackie Oatley and Lori Lindsay were doing this game, and they even pointed out, like, no shade to uh, Sujita, who who started at left wing back uh, for Japan, but she did not give the attacking presence of June Endo. And, like, when you talk about, like, Perriuelo, like, that just an attitude of, yeah, I'll take you I'll take you one-on-one. Watch me do some in one mixtape shit. And, like... They, I would have loved, you know, we're Monday, we're Monday morning quarterbacking Futoshi Akita here, but I mean, it's, it was, the difference was so stark that it was like, God damn, if, if he could have foreseen that Sweden wasn't going to be, Sweden is just less flashy than Spain. They're less speedy than Spain. So maybe the counter, the counter isn't your best, your best bet. Maybe you could have taken them on a lo- with a little more speed, but you know, again, I'm just going to go. Futoshi Akita, fun fact, uh, won the 20, I believe it was either 2018 or 2020 U, uh, U20 World Cup with Japan. Hmm. Two players on there, Nagano and Hinata Miyazawa, both on that U20 World Cup winning team with uh, Akita as the manager. So, you know, uh, you know, no shade to the guy. I just, like you said, probably wants this one back. We just saw a different flavor with Sweden, you know, I think Aslani, Blackstenius, Kanarud, they all had legit blasts you know, awesome. from all over. And yeah. I think I think Japan was like really playing to defend the set piece and maybe was a little bit less prepared for, like you said, offense being generated from the midfield and, you know, kind of quick runs that were from different angles that, that we haven't quite seen in this tournament yet. It's pretty tough. You don't know who you're going to draw. And um, like I said, I think this was just combination of a bad matchup for Japan and maybe a game plan that that didn't it just didn't kind of work out for them you have anything yeah. else on this one uh I thought Lori Lindsay intelligently pointed out Sweden the tallest remaining team uh, uh by player height average uh Japan the shortest remaining team I think that played that played a little bit of a role I mean it's not like uh, I mean Illustead scored her goal on one that kind of bounced around but you yeah. know it's on it's on the ground you know Novel concept. She scores a goal with her right foot as opposed to her, her head. Uh, but like it came off of a free kick where the ball is just bouncing around in there. And I thought it was like an underrated thing that I, I jotted down in my notes is uh, I think it was uh, Saki Kumagai 
who's down in there as the ball comes in. And you could tell she saw it way late because all these trees are standing around her. And I was like, oh, fuck, that is like, that's like one more disadvantage. Not only can you not win the ball, but sometimes you don't even know the fucking path that it's on. And then it starts ping-ponging around in there and your keeper has no shot. A little bit of a surprising result, but, um, you know, well-deserved, you know, from Sweden's standpoint, you know, they advance. They've now got two massive wins in a row, you know, one over the U.S., uh, and now one over Japan, you know, the number one team coming into the tournament, uh, odds on betting favorite. And, you know, I think the team that arguably was the best looking team in the tournament, they were our number one in last week's power ranking. And I'm sure a lot of people had them right up there yeah. as well. So now we get a pretty monster matchup, Spain, Sweden. This one's happening Tuesday. The lines were a little different than I was expecting. So I, I, I did the um, exercise again of sort of like jotting down what I expected to see. And I wrote down to qualify, I thought Sweden would be a, a slight favorite, like minus 130. That was not the case. <laughs> so Spain was about two to one um, to wow. advance, which was a little bit surprising for me. What did you think it would be? Now it's a little bit down. Now it's Spain minus 192, Sweden's plus 154 to qualify. So it's dropped a little bit, but Spain's still pretty much the overwhelming favorite to advance um what do you think of that line first off yeah when i see the line i i wonder if vegas is is doing the thing that i do with them nba players or just you know athletes in general and they love they're hypnotized by the kyrie irving like skill and they're like oh yeah they're, and you know they're also spain even though sweden very clearly has a better like women's footballing uh history um, yep. I, I just would have thought it would have been more even money. I didn't think, yeah. you know, Spain beat Netherlands, you know, pretty decisively, pretty decisively. But like, like you said, it's like, they never really like put their foot on their neck, so to speak. And for Sweden to, to beat the, what you and I both think were the best team, uh, in the tournament. Yeah. I thought at, you know, if I would have had to guess, I would have probably like thought Sweden minus minus one ten or something like that. But Vegas disagrees with us wholeheartedly and it, has me wondering why those tricky bastards think that. Well, after last week, I'm not here to <laughs> pass any judgment on, on who's setting these lines. Right. Now, we're in a tricky spot. So to rewind, we've both got Sweden plus 2,500 to win the tournament. So we're only two wins away from that. There's definitely a hedge opportunity. Um, as I was thinking about the line, so I think the draw might be interesting. I think you brought that one up too. So if we look at the money line, Spain to win in regulations plus 100. The draw is plus 220. Sweden to win outright within the 90s, plus 290. That's a pretty big number for a really good team. Yeah. The other number that I thought was interesting, over under two and a half goals. The under is minus 175. The over is plus 125. So these are two offenses that are pretty prolific. Defensively, I think you can score on both of these teams. I think we're going to see some goals in this one, but I think we expected, we had a couple of matches that, um, we went into last weekend thinking the same, but do you see, I don't know. What do you think offensively we can expect goal wise? Man, it's just so tricky because like you said, like Spain is going to play Spanish football. They're going to, they're going to hold the ball in the midfield. They're going to try to like pick their spots and attack from there. And then they're going to have to go in and beat, you know, Amanda Illestet and Jonna Anderson and all those excellent defensive players. How quickly are the chances going to come from Spain? How early might the first goal come? Sweden is not necessary, not really a counter-attacking team themselves. Now, obviously, you have Blackstenius, uh, who can do a lot of like serious damage up there. The number nine, 
for that for Vegas to think, yeah, it's it's minus one seventy five that this stays under two and a half. So they're probably think. I mean, you know, they're obviously thinking of a one nil, two nil game. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't. I'm like a little. I'm a little shaken. I I tend to think this might be low scoring though, because it's you you're down to the last four. Is this going to be one of those one goal games that we get in the ultra high leverage moments of a of a tournament? Yeah, you might be right about that. It's just so. It feels so counter to how these teams have played. You know, yeah. the whole tournament. Like Sweden was clearly ready for Japan uh, and ready to attack, and I think they. A little bit of game theory. I think they knew that Japan would try to take away their set pieces, corners and stuff. So yeah. they're like, oh, we're going to hit you with something different. Japan, not ready for it. You know, and it ended up with like really, really great chances. And you kind of wonder if they get those same chances again, like Aslani, Blackstenius. I think I expect one or two of those to to kind of hit the back of the net. And Spain's keeper, as an example, Katakoi, was a little shaky. You know, I don't, I think she looked beatable. Yes. I wouldn't expect her to be able to shut out Sweden. So I think I'm, I'm working off that assumption as number one. And I think Spain, I jotted this down too against the Netherlands in close quarters when they had the ball, they had such an advantage. I think they're going to have less of an advantage against Sweden. I don't think they're going to be able to kind of like weave in and out uh, the true. same way they did against the Dutch. So as I think about the hedge to kind of rewind back to that, I'm looking at it as I've got two options. I think there's an opportunity to maybe do something like, like a four unit on Spain to qualify which would clear, you know, 200, it's roughly two to one. And I was thinking about coupling that with a parlay, like a Spain parlay to qualify combined with over two and a half goals. So Mm. that one is coming in at plus 229. So if I think Spain is going to qualify, if we see a rehashing of what happened in the Netherlands match where they score an extra time, that kind of kills that, you know, because that match ended 1-1. But maybe I can kind of go in a little bit with the draw as well, you know, just to kind of cover a third base. But what do you think about that that parlay? Plus 229, Spain to qualify, over two and a half goals. Just it, thinking that if they win, A, they're not going to be able to keep Sweden off the score sheet, and you expect maybe at least two out of Spain. Over two and a half, what do you think? Over two and a half is, is what concerns me. Um, you know, Sweden has allowed two goals all tournament. Uh, one to South Africa in the opener, and then one to Japan here uh, the other day. So... I think I like Spain to win. I th- I feel like that's a that's a reasonable hedge. But you know, we, <laughs> I've been placing a lot of bets then that have been going uh, the other way. So, uh, you know, it, it's hard to get a feel. I will say, you know, just honesty. Sometimes the best bets are the ones you don't make. So I honestly, I think that one I'm having a hard time on. But I would understand. I understand how you landed there. Yeah, I think you might have talked me out of it to be honest because. What Spain was missing was really the finishing, you know, and, and it's wild that, that Pariuelo is the one that comes in and is like, no, no, no. You know, she's got that one <laughs> Justin Jefferson juke, you know, to kind of like <laughs> clear up all that space. Uh, yeah. And then that fire finish, you know, Esther Gonzalez, Alberto Dondo, like they all, the, they had tons of chances. I mean, I think we, we were joking that they, um, I think Redondo hit, hit the woodwork twice <laughs> on one play, yeah. you know, and it just seems like they're just kind of like, sort of like having fun not not taking it so seriously it's like it's not like um sometimes when when a striker misses an open net you know you see the the, the despair there's none of that they're just kind of like okay you know like we'll we'll come, we'll come right back and get it <laughs> get it later right. which i'm not sure exactly how i feel about that is that 
does that is that because they're so awesome or is that because they're not killer instinct you know type type vibes um i think you might have talked me out of the over two and a half just because i can definitely see sweden tightening the grip you know the more that we're kind of talking through it maybe feels like this might be a one one a la spain and netherlands at the end of regulation which puts the plus 220 in play i would say big time i'm gonna take a quick look to see what one one is as the exact score oh wow yes just to just to kind of i mean this is kind of where we landed after talking it out i don't know i could see that just gonna have a little fun take a little take a little little peeky peek looks like one one would be plus 500 it's pretty interesting Hmm. (laughs) Hmm. yeah that is interesting Are we flailing? Are we like we're guessing exact or we're we're gambling on exact scores here? I got to make sure that we do the thing where the ball, like where our defense is under duress, and then we clear it, and then the ball comes <laughs> like and one kind of comes back to us, and then we just need a midfielder to be like, okay, everybody, fucking calm down for a second. Slow down. Let's gather, down. Our, <laughs> let's gather well, ourselves. What would we rather take? One one, a little baby flyer plus five hundred, or take the draw straight away plus 220 that covers a couple more options i would say probably the draw only because we could if, if it's nil nil one one two two which are probably the only three that are on the table we've got three chances of plus 220 and we're only slightly more than doubling that number to get one of the three which is one one so i think just looking at it like that may be more responsible to kind of like just look at the tie here with something pretty reasonable. I think half a unit for me on the tie plus 220. I think these teams are pretty even. And I think that's ultimately the outcome that I am expecting. I think I am going to double that up with Spain to qualify just because that would get me out of the the Sweden to win the whole thing. And, you know, I would kind of finish that transaction up quite a bit either way, you know, because I think we can, we can hedge again if Sweden gets through. And ultimately that's what we're rooting for. A small hedge on Spain to qualify really is... The, Definitely the consolation prize. I'd, I'd love to see Sweden go through. I'll be rooting for them just because, like, that's the huge payout that we're both kind of holding on to. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you. Um, yeah, I like it because I do think zero. I think nil nil is absolutely on the board. I think it's pretty mm-hmm. live. If you were to parlay Spain to qualify and uh, the draw, you get to plus three eighty five. Now that's like that's hitting an exacto though that's like okay we know there's going to be a draw and we know Spain is either going to win an extra time or win in penalties okay let's think about this yeah math guy okay so if Sweden covers Sweden wins in the 90 we're good we, we, we yep. walk into the finals we're holding a big ticket things are exciting we could potentially take that parlay that you mentioned plus 385 the draw uh, and Spain to qualify right mm-hmm. yes and then we can also double that up with a plus 100 Spain to win on the money line within the 90, which would cover all of the angles of Spain advancing. Because either they're going to win in the 90 or they're going to draw and they're going to qualify BKs over an extra time like we saw against the Dutch. That's so right. I really like that play. So we could potentially put down, okay, let me see if I do my math here. Right? Two units on that parlay, that would pay out 770. That would be nice. I would gladly take that you know, and give up my Sweden ticket. <laughs> and then we could also do three units, I would say. I would probably do three units on Spain plus 100. 770 minus the three, that would be 470. So 470 would take me out of the Sweden bet. Or I would take, or I would win essentially 100 if Spain won in the 90. Because it would be 300 minus the 200 that we put on the parlay. Three units minus the two units. Gotcha. 
And, um, a lot of math. Apologies for that. No, it's all right. I mean, <laughs> but that's you know, how it would shake out. Yeah, no, no, that's good. Um, and now you have, I believe you have a half unit on Sweden to win the World Cup, right? Right. Okay, and that plus 2,500, so that's at like 12, 12, 5 or something like that, the payout? Yeah, yeah, okay. 1250 is the payout. And then if Sweden stays alive, I would have lost, yeah, 500. That seems like a lot. Five units seems like a lot as a hedge. Because I'm not totally sure that Spain survives, right? Like I know, that's where I am too. <laughs> feels like a little bit like a... Um, all right, so maybe let me let me pair it back a little bit. All right, maybe I, I don't get greedy. Maybe I'll do two units on Spain in the money line plus one hundred, and I'll do one unit on that parlay that you mentioned. I could also do another, maybe half unit on the draw straight away, which would cover the draw after ninety, and then Sweden essentially advancing. So that would turn that into a winner. I think that's pretty good coverage, you know, and I think. This is, this is, we basically have to maximize the value of that plus 2,500 ticket. That's kind of like what we're trying to figure out how to do here. Yes. That is a really good way to explain it. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm there with you. I was the dope who was only half as confident as you, uh, for Sweden to win though. So I had a quarter unit on Sweden to win. So I'm just going to do, I'm going to do half of that half unit on the parlay, one unit on Spain to win in regulation. Awesome. And what about the tie? I'm putting a half on that. Yeah. So let me do, let me do a quarter on the draw as well. At this point, we're doing some accounting because once you once you have a w- once you have a week uh, of a tournament that went like last time, we just need to make sure we're clawing some back. So there's money management involved here that I actually think is pretty sound gambling advice. Absolutely. This segment brought to you by Charles Schwab. The other matchup. Where do you want to get started? We've got England, Colombia, or France, and Australia. Oh, let's see. So England, Colombia happened first. Um, that's the only reason why I choose to talk about them first. Obviously, I have no other ulterior motives when it comes to the English national team. Um, your heresy uh, will go over the lines. Uh, <laughs> no, um, you you made some picks that were looked pretty fucking live there for a while. You picked Colombia to qualify for the semis at plus three sixty. Uh, half unit there. You had uh, Columbia to lead at halftime plus 650, which we'll get into that. That's, you know, I think we don't use on, we have hosted a gambling podcast for several weeks and I don't think we, I think we very rarely, if at all, use the term bad beat. Like, I don't know how many, if that's been really in the, in our lexicon, but that kind of felt like one a little bit. That was as bad as the beat gets. <laughs> it was pretty you bad, know? man. And and if you remember last week, I was like, you know, I could definitely see like in the 41st minute, you know, Linda Calcedo, you know, we, we thought we were going in the halftime nil-nil. It was pretty much like it was so close to that exact scenario. I think uh-huh. it ended up being Lacey Santos with the goal. And it was yeah. been the 42nd minute, not the 41st. And then as soon as I saw that six, that plus six go up and England was like not fucking around, like after they gave up that goal. Like they went into fifth gear. Like they were just like, if there's a goal to be had before halftime, it's going to get had. And um, yeah, when I tell you (laughs) when the keeper, you know, the Colombian keeper spills the ball and I'm just looking at the ball and I look up at the time and I look at the ball and I look at the time. (laughs) felt like just (laughs) time stopped. And I was just like, I cannot believe, I just couldn't believe it. I really could not believe like the bad beady nature of kind of like what happened to me on that day. Just for me to say, you know, like you called it out. Props to you for like 
tossing me the bait that you knew I would take. You're like, all right, <laughs> Columbia <laughs> deleted. And then you're just kind of like, there's no way they're going to leave it to half. Plus well, 650. I loved, you know, the odds just because like anything can happen, you know, lightning can strike. I put a quarter unit on that. Right. And I probably did the math of what that equated to plus 650 at a quarter unit 10 times <laughs> between when they mm-hmm. scored and, and, and before they, they gave up the equalizer. And I was like, okay, this is going to kind of get us back on track a little bit. But man, what, you know, pre- you know, unpredictable and predictable at the same time. You know, when you think about the weekend that we were having going into it. Yeah, exactly. Another one of those uh, early omens. If the Netherlands game wasn't enough for us. Um, and yeah, and just let me say, on the other side of it, as a guy who has a rooting interest for England, when uh, Santos scores that uh, scores that goal, that's like, like kind of looked like a pass, but also I think because of the way she plays, I think it was a shot. And Mary Earps was she was playing up to kind of expect more of like a line drive shot from that range, and for Santos to hit that, like super clever. But yeah, I, I thought back to you saying. Yeah, it, it could happen in like the 40th minute. I'm, and I'm doing the thing where I'm looking at the clock and seeing when she scored. I was like, God damn it, Dino. I was like, okay, at least you're going to win the bet. And that's good for the doc. But it's fucking <laughs> really bad for my rooting interest and my England to win the World <laughs> Cup bet, obviously. Oh, but then for their for their keeper to have that, just a really, really rough moment. Um, and then Lauren Hemp, Manchester City Football Club, to, to poke it in. I was happy. I celebrated it in the real time, but I was like, ooh, that's kind of gross for my guy. So, uh, yeah, sorry it worked out that way. You know, it'd be like that sometimes. Um, <laughs> the other thing that happened there was it really put into jeopardy our under two and a half goals bet. Yeah, know, yeah. Which, Finished. you know, we were we were just kind of like, all right, well, you know, Mary fucking Herbs. I would say for most of the match, we got the match that we were expecting. Very yep. physical you know, very scrappy, maybe, maybe there's a chance here, a chance there. But yeah, as soon as they equalized, I was like, Oh, there goes under two and a half goals. <laughs> Cause you Finished. knew um, that that game was not going to go with an extra 30. Um, somebody was going to take it. And let me just say uh, something I, I learned recently listening uh, to an interview that former England goalkeeper, Karen Bardsley, uh, she works for the BBC. She interviewed, as we call her, Mary fucking Earps, but I found out she has another endearing nickname, and it's the players on the squad call her Merps, which is just funny to me. <laughs> I love it. And that's a, that is a baseball nickname right there. If your first baseman's name is Marvin Earps, you absolutely call him Merps. Yeah, and, and until somebody starts calling him Merpsy. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Of course. That's the next step. That is the evolution yeah. of it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. One thing that I that I really enjoyed too, like listening to some of the post game coverage that was done over in England. Santos scores that goal, pretty wonderful opportunity. You know, goalkeepers like it's hard to analyze goalkeepers. It's like a niche position. You know, there's only one uh, on the field for each team at a time, so it's not like you know they're not always in live play and stuff like that. I just always find like I try to listen to other goalkeepers commentate about goalkeeping because it's such a specialized piece of the field. It seemed like folks were like, eh. She could have done better maybe if she had like kind of help, held her balance a little bit and took an extra two steps back to, to kind of tap it over the bar. But it was not by any means going to be an easy save. Um, so she gets beat by Santos. And, uh, you know, we're able to kind of equalize on the slop goal from, from the mistake from the Colombian keeper. But in the post game, what I'm uh, alluding to here is the one of the interviewers asked Serena Viegman, did you, did you have to pick up our pal Murps, uh, did you have to pick up Mary Earps at halftime and say, hey, 
keep it going. And right away, Serena Beekman's like, nope, she knows who she is. Then I'm paraphrasing that part, but she did. I think, I think her exact quote was, I didn't have to, I didn't have to lift her up because she lifts herself up. And then they, they had an interview later with Alessia Russo, who we'll, we'll talk about in a bit. And they asked her the same question, you know, try to see if, of course, journalism uh, tactic, try to see what she said. And Aless- Alessia Russo said pretty much the exact same thing. And something to the effect of Mary knows who she is. She was just going to go back out there and play. And so are we. And just, I love the confidence of this team. hundred percent. I mean, that's not surprising at all. Yeah. Um, and that line of questioning is almost as if, you know, Murps was the one that fumbled the ball, the ball right before halftime. Right. It wasn't her. She got beat by, by a super clever, you know, Erps. It's going to be with something a little deceptive. Like it's going to be, be. And that was like pretty much the only window that she had, that Santos had, right? Yep. To kind of get that up and over. It does, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. You know, the ball goes in the net, you know, changes the game. Now, now we've got ourselves a game and it's, it's fine. You know, Murps can give up a goal. It happens. Sure. To Lucy Bronze's point, they don't really care. They're just trying to advance. Yeah. What they did after the Santos goal, like I said, I already mentioned it, but I mentioned last week about the, the Lionesses. I was like, we haven't seen that stretch, that 30-minute stretch where you're just like, oh, this is the best team in the tournament. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't 30 minutes. It was six minutes of... <laughs> hey, six, six minutes of extra time that uh, I, I very much wish was four. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were humming. You know, and I think like when they're playing like that, there's not a team that's going to be able to keep up with them. The sharpness, everybody locked in, everybody focused, the attack coming kind of like coming from everywhere. Just, I don't know, not much that Columbia could do. That, that was like the first time we've really seen Columbia way, way back on their heels. And I was just like, oh, okay, here we go. It felt like, uh, you know, when the champ gets hit with a punch, you know, and now mm-hmm. he's like, okay, let me, let me start. Let me start taking this a little bit more seriously and like <laughs> putting some stuff together here. That must have been exciting for you, kind of watching watching them hit that point. The piece that I highlighted, like in my notes, is that Rachel Daly just started to become to become way more part of the attack. Now, like that's obviously mm-hmm. her like her role kind of on the right wing there in the midfield. Um, ever since we switched to three in the back. Which by the way, Millie Bright and uh, Alex Greenwood played really well back there. To allow that, which pretty much allows us to play three in the back, and then you put Daly up in the midfield in the right wing. But she was just to your point, helping attack from that angle. And we, I think we had talked about it in the preview episode too. We knew Columbia's midfield is a you know not not quite on Rachel Daly's level, who scored fucking twenty goals in the in the women's super league for Aston Villa. So with her being more a part of it, she just she just cranked up that pressure. And you're right, man. Those. Those minutes were like, okay, we got to get this thing level before we get into half, and then let's take care of business after that. To rewind a little bit back to Japan, Japan had the personnel and like the ability and the skills to to hit that same gear. They yep. just waited way too long, you know. And I think kind of robbed us of of maybe some unbelievable potential extra time. Like, who knows where that that, that match goes? Yeah, if they just kind of kick it up a notch a little bit earlier. So England advances. Um, your boy loses his Columbia to qualify for the semis, but that's okay. I, you know, I didn't lose any sleep over that. I'm always kind of rooting for for the doc and and your gals. I'm a big fan of England too. I like, I love the squad. Yeah, they are facing off against the Matildas, who outlast France seven to six in penalty kicks. France was one player down. Australia's out here with uh, all eleven and the ref. Hmm. 
where do we start with this? Where, where on earth do we start in this match? So I'm not going to pretend like I thought it at the time, but in the 12th minute, France looks like they're going to run on Australia. And Lisa Mayer has a nice little layoff. I mean, she's not, she's not much further than the penalty spot uh, over on the left side. And she yeah. lays it off to Lacroix. <laughs> and she just... She is at point blank range and it just hits her in like the, like uh, in the high ankle. And somehow from three feet out, the ball flies 10 feet over the bar. Straight up in the air. Yeah. And I'm just like, yo, like you, like you sky that one, you put that one away. Everybody in the stadium shuts the fuck up and you can just start pinning Australia back on the counter. Especially like if they're going to try to get aggressive and play long balls you got Wendy Renard back there. You got all kinds of Karshawi, I believe her uh, name is pronounced. And you can just start running back at them on the counter. But she skies that over the bar. And I didn't quite think of it at the, at the time. I thought, okay, that's good pressure. Let's do this. Within 20 minutes, when France just keeps fucking passing the ball out of bounds, just regularly passing it to nobody, and they're getting fouled like crazy and it's not getting called, I was like, okay, this is probably not going to go great for us. Danny had a chance at the seven minute mark where yeah. the ball gets played back to Kennedy. She totally flubs it. She kicks it straight up into the air. Danny is like cookies. She grabs it and she's off. <laughs> Kennedy grabs her by the Jersey twice. Yes. With like different, different arms. And one was like a full tug. I'm like, I'm, I was surprised the Jersey kind of stayed intact and no call at all. Um, even though like Danny's ahead of the defender at that point. So I wasn't really sure, but that raised an eyebrow for me. Yeah. I was like, okay, like, I guess this is going to be, you know, a game where they just kind of let them play a little bit. But then fast forward a little bit, right around the 18 minute mark, uh, both Kashawi and Gayoro are just mauled. Yep. Both of them are like writhing on the floor. And that referee just kind of points. And it's like, okay, you know, ball's going this way. Free kick, you know, nothing to see here. They're both like, you know, <laughs> totally stomped out. Yeah. And I got to tell you, like, if you're Rose Lavelle or Khadija Bunny Shaw yep. or Daniela Vandedonk, you're watching that game and you're like, you have to be fucking kidding me. Like, right. this is just straight up cleat on cleat. And we're just like, keep it moving. Nothing to see here. And I'll tell you for sure, at that point, I already knew what time it was. Like, yep. we, were we were fucked to, like, the highest degree. Like, mm -hmm. we were not surviving, you know, this match. Um, it got worse from there. Oh, it just kept just kept getting worse. Um, I mean, all right. So how far back do I want to go? There, there was a point too where Karshawi and then um, okay, their key Peiro Menyan. She made some pretty baffling decisions early. She got mixed up with Karshawi and uh, just almost almost just straight up allowed it a, a super soft goal. But Dale Almeida flies in uh, from from right back to get a super important block like right before the half to keep us at nil nil going into the yeah. half. I mean, was big uh, time. Dale may have played really well. She handled herself really well in that game. I mean, she was locked in. It kind of struck me as, I'm like, are they sort of like too cool for school in this one? Where they're like, ah, you know, like we're France. Like, you know, we got this. We can turn it on whenever we want. And um, they just weren't able to, you know, finish. They had like yeah. these little moments, but they just look so off, you know. And I think that's that's the risk that you run when you kind of like mess around a little bit or like even the, the locker goal, like the, the commentator was like pretty gentle. It's like, well, you know, the ball's coming in at her so quickly. It's like, 
she's standing right in front of the goal. She's right. standing in front of the goal for a reason. She's like looking for this opportunity to just kind of like kick a heel out and just, you know, bury it literally, you know, yards of, uh, of space that are, that are kind of open to her. Exactly. For her to be able to sky it over the goal is like a feat in and of itself. Something that she probably couldn't <laughs> like repeat if she wanted to. That, that um, was what was frustrating. Yeah. But yeah, I agree with you on day Almeida. She was, she was really great, really intense. You know, I kind of wish that, some of uh, what she was doing rubbed off on, on the rest of her team. I'm with you. And so like, just to, just to quickly, I mean, uh, cause it obviously informs our gambling strategy moving forward. So France is able to go into, because of that day, made a block. They're able to go into the half uh, nil nil. And then they just, they come back out and they just keep kind of doing the same shit where they just keep, they are aimlessly passing the ball around and they, and they pass it out of bounds for what felt like the thousandth time. And then it's like just a perfect narrative movie script. The camera cuts over and there's Sam Kerr getting up. I think it was like, it was about the 50th, about the 49th minute. Cut the cut, cut over to Sam Kerr. She's up, she's jogging around. She's on the big screen in the, in the stadium. Everybody starts going nuts. And sure enough, she comes in at 55 and immediately they start pressing more. They start running. She looks probably another, 25% sharper than she did in the last game. And she looked sharper the last game than she did in the last game that she appeared in the game before that, that she appeared in. And all now we're living in the world where uh, Fowler is just blasting fucking shots at the yeah. French keeper. And I'm like, Oh boy, this is good. This is going South real fast. That gave them such a shot in the arm, like getting yep. Sam Kerr in there. And it, it just kind of opened up the whole field. And again, you just knew that for France not to, have been able to take advantage of it. And I do think that the, there was some very, very tough calls. I think the ref also missed a handball, you know, that would have been dangerous. (laughs) That I think maybe, I don't know, was that in the area or just outside? Yeah. In the 70th minute, there was a fucking obvious handball by Australia that was right outside of the area. So it would have been Lisa Mayer, Wendy Renard time. It would have been just basically a corner kick from like a little shorter distance. So you could really, hammer one in there to, to bounce off somebody's forehead. So, yeah, I mean, just, I will say, you know, the refereeing in this game about as bad as we've seen all tournament. I think I was going to actually comment that I thought the refereeing was pretty good all the way through, I, yeah. you know, th- yeah, yeah. Th- there wasn't really a bad moment. The Berenstein moment was pretty bad. That, that one right. was just confounding, but this match, this France match, I think I looked it up. Australia got called for 10 fouls. France got called for 12. Insane. How the, fuck, insane. how the fuck does that happen? Like, Come on, it's, man. It's just, it's just wild. Then the, then you get the Wendy Renard goal, just immediately blown dead. You know, no VAR, no nothing, no real foul on the play. It's just no, 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 no. We're, we're not going to give him that goal. Like we're, let's just kind of restart. <laughs> I don't know how. Yeah. At, at this point, are we looking at Irve Renard to kind of like get a tech or something or, 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 or kick some <laughs> dirt, pick up first base and throw it, throw it across the field. I mean, I was looking for something, you know, to kind of just be like, whoa, 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 this is, this is insane. You know, I think with the physicality that the Australian players were playing with, I think I counted at least three or four cleat on cleat fouls, the yeah. handball, the goal called back, the missed call on Diani, you know, like mm-hmm. when you rewind back to seventh minute and you, you play that one again, now it looks much, much more egregious, right. you know, because now it's just one of seven or eight missed calls that all kind of went the wrong way. But when it came down to penalty kicks, Australia did what they needed to do. You know, shout out to Mackenzie Arnold, their keeper. East. As intense, you know, she brought it. And, you know, ultimately 
The Matildas put the ball in the back of the net once more than the French team did. Even considering that Dali got a second shot and Mackenzie stuffed it again, you know, after coming off her line, you know, I mean, that that was the official breaking of the back. At that point, it's done, done. Yeah, for sure. Mackenzie Arnold was was incredible. Super strong wrists. Uh, I'll say uh, shout out Love to... Love a strong wrist. Uh, yeah, got a strong wrist keeper. Absolute must have. Um, I think one player that, you know, we talked about uh, Peta Uelo for Spain. One player I just want to shout out. Vicky Becho, 19 years old, comes in for France. Oh, yeah. She plays She plays at Lyon, if you could imagine. She's fucking awesome like attacking from both sides of the field like she was doing like like i'm trying like she's obviously a little more physical of a player in her game than like but i think about like riyad mares you could or even like a little bernardo silver where it's just like okay he's gonna he's gonna fuck with you for like 15 minutes on the right hand side and then we're just gonna switch him over to the left hand side for like another another 10 minutes gives me some bobby firmino vibes yeah oh yeah that's good for sure I mean, she was dangerous from the moment she got on the field. But she's, yeah, she's great. She's going to be awesome. Yeah, future is super bright for her too. So, uh, but yeah, once once you go into penalty kicks, like once you're not able to finish it out, it doesn't matter who which team has more skill. Like, yeah. and not that not that taking penalties is not like a skill. It's just you introduce a a higher degree of randomness and luck. Uh, than you have before. Like, obviously, stopping penalties is super hard, and there is scouting and intelligence involved in that. Same with making your penalty kicks. But there, you just do have that little extra bit of randomness. It isn't truly random. Yeah. I honestly believe if that match goes into penalty kicks with the final score being 2-2 versus, like, nil-nil, nil-nil is a very Australia scoreline. They must have been ecstatic, you know, to hold France scoreless for 120-plus minutes. It's interesting. So they're already coming in feeling like, They've outperformed. France is going into the penalty kicks feeling like they've underperformed. And that really showed, you know, like you mentioned, you know, Lacra, like, you know, I think she missed hers as well. Basha missed hers, you know, very uncharacteristic. She's usually a killer. They just kind of got off on the wrong foot with so much on the line. It's just one match for everything. It's like advance or come back in four years. (laughs) Like you just think you would just imagine it's like, I mean, if you're coaching France, you would think that there would be a quicker hook on substitutions or tactical changes. I mean, it always seems like teams are changing tactics too late, very rarely too early. Even Japan, you know, Japan tried to employ the same Spain strategy. Like we said, Sweden, they watched the games too, bro. Like they were ready. And we very rarely criticize a coach for being essentially, you know, too um, flip floppy about their tactics. You know, right. it's almost always too slow to make an adjustment. And I think if I'm coaching this French team with all the firepower, I think I would have just, you know, I don't know, at, at the half, I don't understand how you don't, you know, when, when did uh, Becho come in? Like, yeah. it was super late in the game. That might have been the shot in the arm that they, they needed because she came in right away. You felt her presence. Immediately, yeah. Becho came in at 64. She came in nine minutes after Kerr came in and Kerr started you know, Kerr started the break for Australia almost right away. So yeah, if you bring Betcho on at 60 or maybe 58, if you just, once you kind of see what's happening on the field. Um, but I, I honestly think too, to your point about coaching, uh, you know, being more aggressive earlier, you could have brought Betcho in at 40, at 46. You could have started the half with her and just been like, Hey, let's, let's fucking go. We're better than this team. 
let's go, let's run yeah. at them and make them make some hard decisions. Especially when you look at a couple of those spots, you know, Dali had a rough game. Akra had a rough game. Karshawi, she was pretty effective. Giora was pretty quiet. There, there was definitely, you know, I'm not an expert. Neither I don't think, neither of us are experts on this French no. squad and, you know, basically getting onto the chalkboard. But to go 120 plus and get shut out with that much, you know, firepower, like you said, that's that's a rough, that's a rough look. Absolutely. Um, but Australia wins and now we got to make a decision to bet honor against them again. Unbelievable. So, yeah, the other semifinal set, Australia against England. I think there's there's probably less chance of refereeing chicanery here because with the third place match, Australia is still going to get their two matches, right? So we're going to get the maximum number of Australia matches guaranteed, right? They've got two more. They're going to sell a couple stadiums. Maybe we get a real ref in here. Whoever ref that game, I, I wish I had her name, but <laughs> she she should literally just be, I mean, we, we fired Vlatko last week. Last mm-hmm. week. Uh, I, I feel totally comfortable saying she should not referee another Women's World Cup match or men's for that matter uh, ever again. I mean, that was really uh, abhorrent. But moving on, we've got a semifinals to kind of break down. England, Australia, you've got your Lionesses. They are a little bit of a smaller favorite than I was expecting. So maybe Vegas getting also swayed by the home field advantage. I jotted down minus 190 as the number that I was expecting to see England favored by. Looks a little shorter than that. Minus 162 for England to qualify, plus 132 for Australia to qualify. Let's start there. First impression on those lines. Yeah, I think I would. I, I was right there with you. I, I thought it was going to be like a minus 200, minus 210, something like that. I think that the home field advantage is obviously going to probably is going to the mind of Vegas, but I I didn't mention it in the England Columbia game. Columbia traveled super well to that match. Oh yeah. And I did not totally recognize this, but England and Australia are rivals in rugby and cricket apparently. And so Mm -hmm. you got a huge contingent of Columbia fans there. And then just a bunch of Australians being diabolical haters just rooting against the Lionesses in that game. So that that Columbia-England game, that was a fucking away match for England. It sounded like 100%. it, and it played like yep. it. So I actually, you know, uh, if you can imagine, that almost makes me a little more bullish on England in this case because, like, they, got a, they had a warm-up away game in this tournament before they get to go against Australia. Yeah, and, you know, the Columbia crowd in a lot of ways was, um, before Sam Kerr gets into the Australia match, crowd didn't really play a factor. Not you know, much. I think Columbia, the Columbia crowd, to your point, had more of an impact on the match. You know, so. they were booing on touches like they were like <laughs> raw, rawing, like they're any awesome. any kind of half a chance. You know, there's when nothing's happening, they're singing, you know, like so I totally agree with that point, you know. And again, like it's Australia, like, you know, they oh, man, I don't know. I, I still don't feel like I was on the wrong side of, of that. But what what do you think Australia was able to do? Let's let's flip it because I think we we kind of shredded France from every angle. Did you see anything that that Australia was able to do to kind of like a neutralize France and b you know outside of just bringing in Sam Kerr? Um, were you watching them closely enough to kind of pick up anything that you think England could should be on the lookout for or potentially could exploit? They use that aggressiveness to play very direct. So you know their midfielders and their fullbacks are not afraid to hit a really hard driven pass up forward to uh, either Ford or uh, Mary Fowler or obviously Sam Kerr. So I, I think that could pose a little bit of a challenge, but I love, you know, Kira Walsh and 
Georgia Stanway for uh, for England, you know, they, they see that. They see that every week in the Premier League, or pardon me, yeah. in the Women's Super League. Australia, they're, they're consistent on their ability to kind of drive forward with those direct long balls while also staying pretty compact down in the final third. I think part of the bad omen was the fact that France was able to beat that. And like you pointed out with uh, the one that Lacrosse skied, she's fucking by herself, which is a huge yeah. win in itself when you're you know going up against that Australian defense. So you're standing by yourself, and then for you to hit a complete pop-up is a real bummer. So like, do I see that happening to you know Alessia Russo? Or if I think Lacrosse, you know, Lacrosse is a defensive player if Millie Bright is down there she's she's blasting that into the back of the net yeah I don't know but I asked the question last time are we sure Australia is not good and I tried to watch this time with a more like with more of an eye on Australia and I think I'm with you I I remain somewhat unconvinced but how many times am I going to say they're not that good as and we're sitting here in the World Cup semifinal I mean totally fair point it's just hard to look at like for instance like the Wendy Renard goal that was just obviously a, a regular run of the mill goal, <laughs> like, you it know, like that it, just yeah. kind of gets, gets wiped off the board. And then it just kind of gets whistled. And, you know, she's like, no VAR. Don't even ask me. <laughs> yeah, Not going like, to even entertain it. It's like, okay. Like, I think we're, we were, we check everything in this tournament. So yeah. to me, they were better than I thought. I'll give them that, you know, and they do play direct. They do play very physical. And they're not afraid. And like you said, we can expect an even better Sam Kerr uh, in this match. I mean, maybe yeah. even starting potentially to kind of like can kind of shoot them out of the cannon to kind of start the match and, and maybe see if they can they can kind of like snipe one one or two early. So I think we've got to take them seriously. But on the flip side, I think this is that was the best match that I've seen England play this tournament. You know, against a Columbia team, effectively an away game, they go down. They come right back and like punch right back. And when they've got a shot in the second half to kind of like take the game, they take it. And then when they need to kind of like hold the fort for the last, you know, 15 or so minutes, um, they do exactly that as well as you could hope for, I think. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And, and let's let me take you in the way back machine to April 11th, 2023. Australia played England. And Australia won 2-0 uh, with Sam Kerr scoring one of the goals. Uh, Charlotte Grant scoring the other one. Uh, no relation. Um, that's not really how names work anyway. But anyway, but at any rate, uh, Australia has a relatively recent victory. So they're at home. We know they're a little better than we thought. Everybody's going to be super juiced up. Um, I think it's going to be a close game. But ultimately, like, why would I, why would I bet against England when I just think across the roster they just have better players at every spot all right so odds wise we already talked pretty briefly about the the number to qualify we both kind of maybe like england there but there could be some other numbers on the board that could be a little tastier did you see anything that stuck out i mean england to win in regulation i'm getting plus money for it plus 120 uh to win in regulation i think that's pretty interesting even if I wanted to protect myself, England is only minus 185 on the draw no bet, which I thought was still like not not horrible odds. Like usually I like to do better than minus 185, but that's not terrible. I've got some good news for you. Hmm. England on the money line is now up to plus 125. 
Nice. England tie no bet. Minus 170. Yeah. So I even mean, tastier than your minus 185. I think both of those are super live. I think we've been waiting for maybe, maybe this is, uh, uh, you know, see now my confidence is a little rattled, but I think, you know, we, we saw it with like Switzerland and Norway and, uh, you know, De- even though I bet on Denmark like a dummy, we saw some teams that I think looked a little weak. I think Australia definitely falls into that. I think I'm with you on this being the week where we just kind of send them home. And like I said, like they're going to get two more matches because they're going to at least get to this one and either they'll get to the final or the third place match. So yeah. they'll have the chance to pack the stadium two more times, which is, I think they've got to be ecstatic about that to come back and beat England after that performance against France. Seems like a stretch. I mean, it, it kind of felt like their championship was, was last week. I'm glad you put it that way. How many times do you see that in sports where a team like their championship is like the big win, the big upset, the Cinderella story again, like I bring up too, like when you think about uh, the way England won their match in PKs against Nigeria, where it's like, they're able to win that. And then they are like, okay, good job, everybody. And they go, they console Nigeria's keeper and they, they all come back and go, yeah, we, we, we played to win. Like, we're the, Euro- we're the champions of Europe. We're coming to do this. And, you know, you have this absolutely legendary match between Australia and France that's going to live in their sporting history forever. And everybody collapses and falls down and everybody's crying and weeping and all that stuff for good reason. It's one of the greatest, you know, it's probably the greatest women's footballing moment in the history of the country. Probably one of the yeah. best football. Or footballing in general. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was, I was just sure. going to say. Yeah, I can't think of... A lot of other, like, even for the for the men's team. So, you know, you have this emotional thing, and it lasts 120 minutes, and then you go into what felt like a million PKs. It's just like, how much gas do you have left in the tank when this Terminator comes into town where everybody on the squad is awesome and super locked in? And even though I, I would be remiss if I did not mention – I got to blame you for the jinx because Lauren James, she, you know, the, the penalty is you get the red card, you're out that game, and then you're out the next game. But then FIFA decides to swoop in with their ultimate wisdom and be like, eh, let's let's give her an extra game uh, for the stomp. So uh, we will not have Lauren James for this, for this match either. Yeah, I apologize for that. Well, hopefully FIFA swoops in and looks at some of those Australia stomps and, you know, maybe balances <laughs> yeah. things out. Oh, wait, no, they're not going to do that? Yeah, shocker. Um, Imagine that. I'm not bitter. Oh, God. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a bummer. I mean, I think we're going to see Lauren James again, though. I think England gets past Australia. We, we talked about last week, too, the benefit of just playing the 90, you know, yep. without the 30 minutes of extra time, without the PKs, without the emotional drain. I can't see how that's a benefit this late in the tournament yeah. when players are, are, are a little gassed and a little banged up. We saw that Columbia team too, you know, not really be able to summon all that much in the last 20 minutes. That's another team that really had a dream run, you know, with young talent like uh, Anna Maria Guzman and Linda Calcedo. Like they're, they're still, their future is super duper bright as well. Ultimately, what I love about this England team is they can win multiple ways. They could blow you out. They can, come back from a goal down, which we just saw them do. Yeah. They can, you know, suffocate a game and win one nil, you know, like there, there's really no way to, uh, you know, assuredly beat them, you know, like they're going to um, be in every single game. So I think couple that with 
you know, maybe Australia not looking so unbelievably good, but credit to them for surviving, getting to this point. I think I'm really feeling, I think I'm in double unit territory on England in, within the 90 plus 125. I love that it's, it's it's ticked up a little bit off of plus 120, which means money's, let me see, I can, I can actually tell you exactly where the money's gone. Um, it looks like the draw has stuck at plus 200. So the money has come in on Australia. Australia right. was plus 250. Now they're down to plus 230. So people are bet, betting the home team pretty hardcore to, to move it that much, but definitely good for the England betters. I think I can live with that. There are like different things you can subscribe to or different things you can kind of look at and be like, well, is this is this a bunch of sharp money coming in on this? They just don't have enough good players. Well, one thing I wish I could have bet on, I wish was available on, on FanDuel was in the in the last pot, I was like, I think they're going to put in Ella Toon uh, to, uh, to replace Lauren James. And so, yeah, totally nailed it worth absolutely nothing on the betting sheet. I did not, <laughs> I did not, I was not able to capitalize in this in any way. I just get to pat myself on the back uselessly. Uh, but yeah, I wish I, that could have been a 20 unit bet to, uh, to maybe help things out. Um, but, uh, that would have we, almost got us. To, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Us even. Oh. Yeah, subscribe to uh tasty lineup changes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um but yeah i just think i just think we have too much um i think i might be with you on this on this uh this double unit for them to win in regulation because i i'm already going to be super sad if they uh if they lose um i guess my are not going to be any more sad <laughs> yeah <lose> <laughs> you know what i mean like it's not what, get any worse. Yeah. what does it matter at this point i, I think that my only thing is i have my plus 430 ticket floating out there do i i mean that that doesn't feel big enough to like entertain a hedge though right or or is it well let me step back a little bit the notion of the soccer gods were on my mind heavy this week i'm like (laughs) what did we do did i say something did grant say something where did we go wrong to, to just anger the soccer gods now as an england supporter you would be contending with the potential wrath of the soccer gods, but Australia to qualify plus 128, it wouldn't be the least responsible thing to do to put a unit on that just to cover your losses, right? So if Australia does advance, you walk away with, you're out of your England bet, you know, you didn't lose money on it. That wouldn't be the most irresponsible play. But again, you are then contending with the soccer gods. You're betting against your squad. Could you live with yourself, you know, could, could, could you be bouncing the grandkid on your knee and telling them that, that England almost won that 2023 World Cup? And uh, uh, But you did have Australia on the hedge. <laughs> right, yeah. At least I made back that 28 to, to help my wings. <laughs> um, yeah, you're right. And, it, you know, it just comes down to it, too, is that, like, I just don't think they're going to win. Like, I just don't think Australia is going to win. I think that – I think we'll probably – I think us handling them in the 90 is, is pretty uh, – is is I yeah whatever I <laughs> it's pretty likely to happen we'll say whatever there's no new use yeah. of being shy about it or you can just roll the dice you've got the better team plus four thirty you've got to be pumped if we if we end up with England Sweden because that means you know the dock is back up and back to the right yeah I'm making something um, but yeah I mean fuck the hedging you know in in this case. 
for the team I support. What, what's why would I do that? Um, yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go full. I'm gonna go one unit on England to win in in regulation. Okay, nice. I'm going to. I like um, it. Did you see anything else that you liked? I'll tell you something that I'm kind of thinking about. Maybe a half sprinkle. Chloe Kelly of Manchester City Football Club plus three thirty to score. Now she came on in the last match toward the end of the game in the second half. Um, didn't really have a big say in this one, but Chloe Kelly, she hit the game. She hit the winning penalty against Nigeria. She hit the winner against Germany uh, in the Euros. She's just ice cold, ice cold Chloe Kelly, as I like to call her. Um, and I just think I, I think I'm going to wait till the lineups come out. Chloe Kelly to score is interesting. I don't think Australia would be able to get anything done in regulation. So, you know, plus 205 for them to draw. That almost makes me wonder, hedging is for a coward against your favorite team. But what if we're just talking about smart math here? What if the hedge is Australia to qualify and the draw? What do the odds look like on that? How, how tasty could that be? Now that's a plus four sixty six. There's no fucking way that Australia is winning in ninety plus four sixty six. Quarter unit on that is one fifteen. Yeah. And then I, I and then make... you know you're not gonna you're not gonna miss that quarter unit. Well, all right. I guess that's what Settled has to then? happen. Yeah. In okay. in the interest of in the interest of the doc, I think that that's what has to happen. Well, if I do a if I do a half C there. Then I protect myself from the England plus one one twenty five and the uh, and my bet for them to win. So I'll, I'll do a half unit on this. Okay, nice half unit, pretty responsible. Yeah, so I think yeah, your ducks, the ducks, ducks got to be in better shape. Um, just come next week, creep. It's just gotta be. Forward. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are your thoughts on Australia under half a goal plus one fifty? I mean, I think that's super live. I think, uh, yeah. How many times do we got to talk about Murps on this on this podcast? You got to really wonder if though that that one goal she gave up, <laughs> that sugar might set her off track. <laughs> yeah. She made a couple other saves later in that match. You know, after she lets the one in to Santos, and she makes a couple other great saves, and she just gets up, just stink face after she makes it, just punch it away, just that fucking shit out of here and just yeah completely unflappable yeah she's got a snarl hell yeah love the snarl i think that's a half unit for me and that's that's just paying the merps her proper respect <laughs> damn you right. know like like if i'm gonna lose this one you know it's to the point where i think even if they win a penalty i like my chances hell yeah <laughs> like if, if, you're gonna, if you're gonna give me like a, any goalkeeper that i can have i mean mary fucking herps top of the list i just want to kind of mix it up I want to try to claw a little bit back. Um, Australia couldn't score on France. I think England's got a little a defense that's a little bit more stout. Obviously, goalkeeping night and day, right? <laughs> we yeah. talked about the French keeper. Uh, I mean, when you get pulled before the the, the shootout, that's not something you see every day. Um, that was pretty it happens, wild, but man. yeah, that, that was a little weird to bring an ice goalkeeper in to kind of face off uh, in, in just the highest leverage moment. So I'm talking myself more and more into this. Let's go. I kind of do, you know, no chupacabras this week. This is going to be a chupacabra for me. Yes. Three quarters of a unit plus 150. Australia, the home team, under half a goal. Um, 
I just kind of feel like this is going to be also me exacting a little revenge for, for what they did to us last week. So I'm willing to kind of put my, my chupacabra out there. Um, just kind of, again, do what I can to claw us back a little bit. I like it. Let's keep this. I like this spread. You, uh, two units on them to win me, a unit on England to win in regulation. I got the hedge for the draw plus Australia to qualify if everything goes to shit. So we're, you know, again, talk to Chuck. Chuck Schwab is 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 fucking <laughs> is advising on this. We gotta get this get this money right again. So with that said, let us hit the recap. Um, two monster matches here. Um, so we've got Spain and Sweden. Where did we land on that one? Okay, yeah, Spain Sweden. We are both going to parlay the draw after ninety plus Spain to qualify. A little bit of a hedge. Plus 385, full unit for me, half a unit for you. Um, we are both also taking Spain plus 100 to win the 90. That's a double unit for me, one unit for you. Again, that's a hedge against our Sweden pick. And we are both taking the tie plus 220, one unit for me, half a unit for you. Um, I think we've got our bases covered. You know, So if Spain do get through, um, we've got multiple chances to kind of like... Um, win some money back here and then if they don't we've got a big big ticket going into the final um and that is the team from sweden in the other semi-final your lionesses against the home team um the matildas of australia i like england plus 125 to win within the 90 two units for me one unit for you another cosine and you are also Hedging against your England plus 430. Props to you, by the way, for kind of seeing that early. I know you're a fan, so you're going to take it anyway. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You know, a win's a win. We'll take it Appreciate in it. any way, shape, or form we can get it. Yeah. Um, so you're taking the draw after 90 plus Australia to qualify. That's a nice parlay. Plus 466. Half a unit as the hedge. Uh, and I am also taking Australia under half a goal because fuck Australia. Chupacabra, <laughs> three quarters of a unit. <laughs> We're going to try to get some of this money back. Uh, did I miss anything? That's it, man. Two monster matches. I think uh, after after this, we'll have the final. We'll have a third place game. You know, we might be talking about this other little league that we enjoy, the Premier League, coming up. But right mm -hmm. now, we've just been just attempting to be so locked in. I think this is where the focus is right now. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah, the Premier League season... 100% snuck up on me. I was like, oh, okay, well, all right, City's on. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> right. um, but yeah, I, I'm so happy to have it back. You know, we can also kind of throw ourselves back into NWSL as well. Yep. Um, we're going to have to figure out our Division Feminine League Pass, <laughs> as well as Liga F. We, I, I, think I'm, I think I'm throwing my hat. I, I, I'm going to order some Lyon gear. I think that's got to be my squad. You know, oh, Lindsay wow. Aran, Besho, like, let's go. You know, we also shit talk PSG all the time just for you know, making a mockery of that league on the men's side. So, you know, that's not where we're going to be going. Um, I like it. Yeah. So I think, I, I think we're going to carry this, um, you know, women's football momentum um, absolutely into, into the, the rest of what's left the season. So that's going to be exciting. And then, yeah, I think next episode we will, yeah, I think two feet in on the premier league. Um, not much, not a whole lot going on. Maybe some NFL preseason stuff that we might look at. Um, you know, who knows? We might have a, well, let me throw this at you. If Trevor Lawrence and Jalen Hurts both win MVP, we're back in the black. 
You know, it's never happened before, but Co-MVPs. You know, never say never. Let's go. We <laughs> yeah, we need it. Yeah, I wonder if we win both of them. I mean, that would be incredible. Yeah, that, that's um, that's neither here nor there. Uh, so, with that said, I think we did it. This has been another episode of Tasty Bets Pod. Follow us at Tasty Bets Pod on Twitter, Reddit, and Threads. Subscribe to Tasty Bets Pod on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to watch or listen. And remember to always, always, always. Be like you guys, bet responsibly, be smart out there, be careful. There's always more games next week, right? Um, so big thank you to my co-host. Best of luck to you this week. Huge games coming up. Always appreciate the time. No subs necessary. They look like they had us in the first half, but we're getting it back in the second half, I believe, as the Twitter meme goes. So good luck to you, buddy. <laughs> let's let's get this shit back on the, on the right track. 100%. Thanks, man. See ya. See ya.